We're going to wrap up the series today uh, that we began a while back called People of Faith Change Their World. Let me say that again. People of Faith Change Their World. And today specifically, we're going to look at Priscilla and Aquila, the helpers. So we have been on this series talking about a number of characters in the Bible who changed their world and showing how it's similar for us and different roles and character people. We talked about David, the giant killer. We talked about Abraham, the patriarch, the father of uh, many nations. We just talked about Esther and Deborah, and some of them were just powerful leaders. Of course, when we got to Esther, we talked about how she was an influencer. And today, we're talking about two people who were helpers. And as we go through the message today, you're going to see that if God has called you to be a helper, it's no less than the person called to kill the giant. It's no less than the person called to be a political leader or a spiritual leader. It is a call. And I want to encourage you today with this message. Some of you are probably called to be helpers. All right. So people of faith change their world. You see, the definition of faith is believing God and taking action on what he has said, no matter the cost. And I like to establish this again. Faith is not just doing something crazy or doing something out there and expecting God to you know, follow up and make sure everything's okay. Faith is not just doing something huge because somebody else did it. Faith is doing what God has given you to do and doing it with everything you have, all right? That's the difference. God may have spoken to the person beside you to do something different than what he's called you to. Don't try to imitate the person beside you, all right? What he's told you to do, that's faith. And some of you are called to be helpers. Priscilla and Aquila were helpers, and they stepped out in faith and by boldly helping in ministry, and they changed their world. Romans 16 and verse 3, we read this. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. A simple greeting that says a whole bunch. And we're going to go through some scripture about Priscilla and Aquila. But let me begin simply by saying, Paul, who wrote this letter, said, they are my helpers. And you see, they helped in a number of different ways. And I have found through the years that people who are called to be helpers are amazing people. They don't need the spotlight. They don't want the spotlight. But they make ministry happen. Priscilla and Aquila helped by giving their resources and providing for a ministry leader, in this case, which was Paul. We read in Acts chapter 18, verse 1, this. It said, After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, and he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. Because Claudius had commanded that all the Jews must leave Rome. And he went to see them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. So many of you know who Paul is. Paul wrote 
a lot of the New Testament. Paul was responsible for planting or starting many of the churches in the Gentile world. But Paul started out actually trying to kill Christians. He was a passionate man. He was a man who seemed to have a little bit of a temper. He was a man who was driven to do. He was definitely a mover and a shaker. And he felt that he was going out and having Christians arrested and some put to death. He felt he was doing it for God. And when he chased off everybody in Jerusalem, he got permission to go further and he went off to Damascus looking for more Christians to put in jail. But oh my goodness, he was passionate. Nobody would ever accuse Paul of being lazy or apathetic or selfish. He was a man on a mission, but he was on the wrong mission. I want to encourage you today, church, if there's someone in your family who is going hardcore the wrong direction, it simply takes one encounter with Jesus to turn them to the right direction. And they will change their world the right way. I don't know who it is in your family. People say there's no hope for that one. Your passion, one time with Jesus, and he'll change your world. Paul, on his way to Damascus, suddenly has an experience, and he sees a bright light from heaven, and a voice from the bright light saying, Saul, Saul, why do you kick against the pricks? And he falls to the ground blind. He has run face to face with Christ. He's blind for three days. They have to lead him to where he's headed. And while he is there, the Holy Spirit speaks to a Christian and tells him, I need you to go and to pray for Paul. He's blind. And wouldn't you know it? The Christian says, I think I've heard of this guy before. He kills Christians. Yeah, it's not really something I want to do. But he listens and he goes. And the very people that Saul, also known as Paul, was trying to kill, one of them prays for him and he's healed. Instantly he can see. His passion now changes 180 degrees and now he wants to make sure every person alive becomes a Christian. And he is willing to lay down his life to do it. But interestingly enough, today we are not preaching about Paul. Because you see, as amazing as Paul was, as driven as he was, he would have accomplished nothing in ministry without helpers. Nothing. As a matter of fact, without helpers, he probably just would have got himself killed really quick. Sometimes passionate people don't think. They need helpers to come alongside and say, well, hold on a minute here. Are you sure that's what you want to do? Did God really tell you that? Or are you just mad? It looks like Paul might have had some anger issues. You can read through it. These were real people in the Bible, by the way. Sometimes, you know, you put that saint on the end of some of the people in the Bible. They were real people like you and I who had met a real Jesus, a real Savior. But Paul needed helpers. And he comes to this area and he looks out for Aquila and Priscilla. He meets them, finds out they're tent makers, and they say, you know what, Paul? You can stay with us. You can stay here and live with us and work with us to make money. They provide for him financially. 
and it keeps Paul going. And while Paul is there, he goes into the churches and he speaks to them about Jesus. He's winning souls, but he's working with Priscilla and Aquila. He's living with Priscilla and Aquila. They were helpers. They recognized this was a man who was called and they were going to help him. Now, interestingly, they didn't have Paul just stay at their house for the weekend. It was a lot longer. Anybody here, you, you ever had a relative show up to camp for a night and two days becomes three and it's a week and it's two weeks and pretty soon you're going like, gee, so when are you heading home? <laughs> we love you, by the way, but just wondering. <laughs> but they understood, hey, we're helping as long as you need us to help. And Paul ended up staying there for a year and a half. He was no longer just a visitor. He was no longer just a man of God speaker. He was one of them. They would have known his issues. They would have known his personality like nobody else. They would have known his weaknesses, his strengths. They would have possibly had reason to say, oh, you need to move on. But they were helpers. And they said, you know what, Paul? You can stay here as long as you need. Keep winning people to the Lord. And for a year and a half, that's exactly what he did. We also know from this first scripture that we read, Romans 16 and verse 4, that Priscilla and Aquila laid down their necks or their lives for Paul at some point. You see, they helped by standing with and supporting a ministry or ministry leader no matter what. You know, it's easy to help somebody when everything's going great for them. It's easy to help when everything's going like this, but what about in the rough spots? That's where Paul needed the most help. But it would have also been the easiest spot to just walk away. They weren't paid to help Paul. Nobody told them they had to. Nobody forced them. Doesn't say an angel told them to. Doesn't say they had a vision. They just chose to because they were helpers. It was their gift. It was their calling. And we know that at some point, they actually risked their lives to stand beside Paul. We're not told exactly when that was, but it's possible that it was a situation like the one that happened in Acts chapter 18 while Paul was living with them for that year and a half. You see, Paul would go in and try to convince the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. He was the one and they didn't often like it. And in Acts 18, verse 12, we read this story. It says, When Galileo became governor of Achaia, some Jews rose up together against Paul and brought him before the governor for judgment. Now, when they say brought him before the governor for judgment, they didn't get a taxi for him and, you know, take him over there nicely. They grabbed him. They wrestled him. They probably hit him and kicked him a couple times on the way. Okay, this was not a nice taking somebody somewhere. Uh-uh. They drug him. And they were hoping that when they brought him to this judgment seat, he'd be thrown in jail, maybe killed, maybe beaten. They were on a roll to de destroy him and get rid of him right there. We know Priscilla and Aquila were around and went to these places with Paul. There's a good chance they were in the crowd. There's a good chance they were getting run over as people took Paul out. 
But in this case, they didn't get their way. Verse 13, they accused Paul of persuading people to worship God in ways that are contrary to our law. But just as Paul started to make his defense, Galileo turned to Paul's accusers and said, Listen, you Jews, if this were a case involving some wrongdoing or a serious crime, I would have reason to accept your case. But since it's merely a question of words and names and your Jewish law, take care of it yourselves. I refuse to judge such matters, and he threw them out of the courtroom. Now this judgment seat that they would bring to would have been similar to the same type of judgment seat that they brought Christ to. It would have likely been open court, and they're up the front. They're bringing and expecting that they'll get some type of judgment, and the judgments that were rendered in that day were not pretty. You didn't have to just go mow grass for a few days. Okay? Their judgments were whippings, prison, and of course, in Jesus' case, let's take their life by hanging them on a cross. But Paul, that did not happen. You see, when Priscilla and Aquila said, Paul, we'll help you, they committed to helping him and standing up for him no matter what. We have some amazing Priscilla and Aquilas in our church who stand and help. They know it's their role to support. They support financially. They support with their words. Did you know helpers talk well about their church no matter what's going on. Helpers are not fans. Did you know that? Helpers are not spectators. Helpers get right in there and lay down their life. And Priscilla and Aquila definitely did. And to travel with Paul was kind of a dangerous thing because Paul got himself into trouble a lot. You're like, well, maybe God took him there and he got in trouble. I just know when I read about Paul, he was always in trouble. There was always something going on. So if you signed up to go on a mission trip with Paul, you better be willing to lay down your life. Because somewhere on that mission trip, it was going to be all about God gets us out of this or we're dead. Yeah, who wants to sign up for that mission trip? You're like, eh, I don't know. I was thinking of the one where they go to Hawaii for a couple of weeks and... <laughs> Oh yeah, everybody wants that one. But it was different with Paul. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23, Paul lists some of the situations he went through. And he says in 23, Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I've worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Now he lists some of those. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. In other words, Paul had scars all over his entire body. You don't get whipped five times with 39 lashes. And they would do 39 lashes because they believed if you went to 40, you killed the person. Five times whipped, beaten. He walked around with scars on his entire body. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. If they decided you'd blaspheme God or you weren't worthy, you'd done something against the law, they would take big rocks and they would chuck them at you and tell you were dead. But apparently he was only knocked out or God brought him back because he's writing the story after the fact. Then he says, three times I was shipwrecked. 
Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and robbers. Rivers and robbers. I face danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I face danger in the city, in the deserts, in the seas. I face danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, and during many sleepless nights, I've been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Who wants to be my helper and travel with me? Sign up here. Eh, nobody. No, wait a minute. There was Priscilla and Aquila, and there was others that helped him. Funny thing, people who are gifted to be helpers to see ministry happen are not afraid to stand and go through the fire, to go through the flood. Because they understand the mission matters. They understand that they play a vital role, and it won't happen without them. Verse 28, then besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak without me feeling the weakness? Who is led astray and I do not burn with anger? If I must boast, I would rather boast about the things that show how weak I am. God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, who is worthy of eternal praise, knows I'm not lying. When I was in Damascus, the governor under King Artes kept guards at the city gates to catch me. I had to be lowered in a basket through a window in the city wall to escape. Now, there's some crazy ministry. They're going to take you and kill you, so somebody has to put a window, lower you out so you can run for your life. Priscilla and Aquila made up their mind they were going to help Paul. They were going to be with him. They were going to be one of his team. Like, let's join the crazy team, <laughs> the wild team. Oh, wait a minute, the team that is seeing people's lives saved for eternity. The team that is seeing people healed, saved, and set free, delivered. That team's worth sacrificing for. That team's worth laying down our lives for. Because you see, anybody who traveled with Paul was most definitely going to risk their life. Funny thing, you and I, who have signed up, to say yes to Jesus, I will follow him, are also asked to lay down our lives. You see, if you follow Christ, you must be willing to lay down your life. He says if you'll lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. In 1 John 3, 16, it reads this. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters, are we willing to lose something, to lay down something to see someone else except Christ? What are we willing to let go of? What are we willing to give up to see the lost come in? Or did we not realize what we signed up for? Maybe we thought, oh, I didn't sign up for that. I just signed up for, you know, the good music. No, you didn't. You signed up to give your life to Christ, to lay down your will for His, to go where He says to go, to do what He says to do, to put Him first, to put Him above all else. And when you do that, that's called laying down your life. But literally, some would lay down their life to see others saved. We know that every single apostle ended up laying down their life at some point. 
for Jesus, yes, but to spread the gospel that the lost could come in. I think you need to understand that. They didn't just lay it down for Jesus. They laid it down for the mission of getting the gospel to the lost. So I need to ask you something in your desire to serve God. Are you willing to give it all? Or is this just something you do once a week? Is this just something you do to make sure you can get into heaven? Or you got scared one time a long time ago by a, a movie about the end times. I've actually met people, they got afraid of a movie by the end times. But that's not a reason to serve God. You guys who wrote that movie don't actually know exactly what the end times will look like, by the way. That was their, their best guess. Ah, I see some people here who aren't afraid. Who aren't afraid to stand when it matters. I want to encourage you that I already know you're called to be helpers. The call of a helper is no less of a call than any other call. As a matter of fact, Scripture tells us clearly that helpers receive the same reward as those they help. In Matthew 10, verse 40, it says this, Anyone who receives you, receives me. And anyone who receives me, receives the Father who sent me. He's talking about his disciples when they're going to go out. If people receive the disciples, it's just like receiving Jesus. Verse 41, if you receive a prophet as one who speaks for God, you will be given the same reward as a prophet. And if you receive righteous people because of their righteousness, you will be given a reward like theirs. And verse 42, and, even if, you, and if you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. Helpers get rewarded. And according to Scripture, the reward is the same as those they help. In Romans 16, verse 4, that section that we began with, Paul is talking about Priscilla and Aquila, how they laid down their lives. And then he says, I thank you and all the churches of the Gentiles thank you. Paul is actually suggesting here that without Priscilla and Aquila's help and sacrifice, there would not have been Gentile churches. See, Priscilla and Aquila didn't visit all those churches. They didn't even necessarily come to some of those churches. But Paul is saying they thank you. They thank you that you laid down your life. You made it possible for me to continue. Without helpers, ministry doesn't happen. Do not think you're any less because you're not the one out on the front line. If God's not called you to be out there, you shouldn't be out there. If God has called you to be a helper, you need to do it. And you need to do it boldly. You need to do it passionately. You need to do it and be willing to sacrifice. You see, Priscilla and Aquila didn't just give their time and the resources. They didn't just stand up when nobody else would. They also gave their time to be a part of Christian ministry. I found out through the years that helpers are so passionate, they're like, yeah, we want to give, yes, we want to be there, but can we also get involved? A true helper wants to get involved any way they can. And Priscilla and Aquila did. They actually traveled with Paul and assisted him for some time. Acts 18 and verse 18. Paul stayed in Corinth for some time after that, then said goodbye to the brothers and sisters, and went to nearby Sencrea. 
There he shaved his head according to Jewish custom, marking the end of a vow. Then he set sail for Syria, taking Priscilla and Aquila with him. They stopped first at the port of Ephesus, where Paul left the others behind. While he was there, he went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews. They traveled with Paul, they went to the synagogues with him, and they helped him. But they didn't just help one person in ministry. They were helpers called to help. They were willing to help whoever was in ministry that they were around because Paul left. They stayed in Ephesus, obviously encouraging people to follow Christ. And along came another man who was named Apollos, and he was a great speaker. And he started coming into synagogues teaching people. And it says that Priscilla and Aquila connected with him and they showed him the way even better. He was missing some of the spiritual side to the message. And they said, hey, we want to support you. We want to encourage you. And this is what we've learned from Paul. You need to understand this. And we get that they began to help Apollos as well. Helpers are gifted to help. If you've ever been in a church long enough, sometimes pastors change. Helpers don't quit because it's not their favorite pastor. They continue to help. You went really quiet on that. Everyone went back to their favorite pastor. (laughs) Oh, you shouldn't have said my favorite pastor. I remember. Helpers help to see ministry happen, no matter who. No matter who. Helpers help. Priscilla and Aquila did, and they made a difference. As a matter of fact, Apollos saw many people come to Christ, even as Paul did, and later in Scripture there was a little bit of a, oh, they wanted to be of Apollos or Paul, and there was a little bit of a division there. But yet Priscilla and Aquila helped both leaders effectively do ministry. They stepped out in faith, Priscilla and Aquila, and helped also by doing ministry in their own home. Helpers never quit. They did life group. Never say life group. group. You see how I got that right in there. (laughs) Like, oh, I'm not a pastor. I can't lead a life group. Helpers led church in their house. They weren't anointed by Jesus to be pastors or apostles. We don't see that Paul, you know, had a word from heaven that they're supposed to. They're helpers. They knew ministry had to happen. They said, you know what? People can meet in our church, in our house. To have church. You guys, life groups change lives. If you've been called to lead and to see others changed, maybe a life group is for you. But they stepped out in faith and they had church in their house. You can find that in 1 Corinthians 16, 19, but we're not going to read it. You see, Priscilla and Aquila stepped out in faith by boldly helping in ministry and they changed their world. You and I are people of faith, and we're called to change our world. Well, maybe you were a helper, and as we've been going through these, and maybe for a number of years you've wondered, well, what's my call? Am I supposed to go to missions? Am I supposed to be a pastor? And maybe God has called you as a helper, and you're already doing it. You're already beginning it. If you're called to be a helper, you simply need to ask God to direct you well in who you help and how you help. And do it with passion. And be thankful that you're doing your call. You see, in Scripture, we read where Paul 
talks about the fivefold ministry, but there's another scripture in Corinthians where he starts listing ministries, and one of them that he lists is called helps. Your call is no less than the call of an apostle, no less than the call of a pastor. And without you, ministry doesn't happen. You see, Priscilla and Aquila supporting Paul early on, standing for him, laying down their lives, made it possible that ministry could come to the Gentiles. They helped bring Christianity to Rome and the entire Gentile world when it was very unpopular. It's easy to help when everything's going great. It's easy to stand up and go, yes, I will do that. But what about when it's not going great? What about when it's not popular? What about when you're getting squished out? Are you still a helper? I believe this church is full of people who are helpers that have said, yes, they want to see ministry happen. Yes, they want to see their community change. Yes, they want to see salvations and baptisms. The message that they helped bring to the world was the simple message of salvation. The message of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the one true Messiah, the Savior of the world, and they helped bring that message, a simple message where sinners separated from God, but Jesus has made a way, a bridge for us to come back to him, and he did it on the cross. He took our place, and he took our sin. They nailed him there. And he hung and he bled and he died for you and I. That we would be completely forgiven. That we would be made new. A simple message. So simple that the Jews hated it. So simple that the intelligent minds of the Romans thought it was below them. A simple message. So simple that the brokenhearted ran to receive it. A message so simple that the sick came to be healed. A message that said simply, if you believe, it's yours. You see, the message of the cross is for everyone. Maybe you are here today and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. You've never asked Him to forgive you. We want to give opportunity to do that right now. You see, Scripture makes it clear that if you speak it with your mouth and you believe it in your heart, you're saved. So we do that here by saying a prayer for those that maybe are believing it and don't know what to say. So I'm going to ask you right where you are to repeat this prayer after me, and I'll ask all of you to join in. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. I ask you now, forgive me of all my sin. Make me new. Use my life. I am saved. Amen.